0: Hi everyone welcome back to another episode of the extra point podcast today is tuesday march 28th my name is todd Stiles. i'm one of the pastors at ankeny's first family church i want to welcome you to this episode and on the extra point podcast we always take some time mostly every tuesday to look back at the previous week's uh, text or topic and bring some further insight additional application even some further observation. And so today I want to bring some personalization. I want to take the text we used last week, which was Psalm 22. And uh, it was a prophetic psalm, it was a messianic psalm uh, written by David. And I want to take the things we learned from that psalm and personalize them a bit. You could say apply them further. I want to um, kind of make some concluding statements and observations that will help us kind of take all that we learned last week, all that we sensed and experienced from God's Spirit as He illuminated the Word for us, and I want to put those in some maybe some uh, ownership statements, some things that we can nail down, tuck into our heart's pocket, and, and just carry with us as we think about that psalm. Again, remember, there were three main words that we looked at last week that the Psalm seemed to um, uh, follow or at least unfold in front of us. The first, of course, the idea of suffering in the first 21 and a half verses. And then, of course, in the very last part of the 21st verse, there's this three word exclamation that he was, you know, uh, experienced a rescue by God, God answered him. That would be the idea of salvation. And then, of course, uh, the remainder of the chapter is about how he shared this wonderful news of God's saving work. So we use these words, suffering, salvation, and sharing, as kind of a road map for the psalm. And, of course, it not only is from David and speaks generally about some of his experiences, it obviously points to Christ. It's a very prophetic psalm, what we call a messianic psalm, and Christ experiences as well, not in a saving of his soul as if he needed that, but in a saving of his human life through the resurrection. And so we saw these three words both historically and prophetically. And I want to take a few moments now and, and give you three statements that I think will help that psalm um, be personalized uh, in your life and mine. Here's statement number one. God is faithful and solid, even when I feel forsaken and suffer. If you recall, much of the first twenty-one verses were about David and his general sense of suffering and running for his life when he was um, running from Saul. And so these were as uh, they were also prophetic words, and many of them much more specific about Christ future crucifixion than they were even about David's current situation. Regardless, uh, what we know from those verses is that even in the midst of all of that suffering, when both at times felt forsaken, God was still faithful. God was solidly uh, unchangeable and dependable. And so David kept trusting, even though he kept crying out, he kept praying, even in his lamenting. Um, And so we can, uh, in equal measure, and just like uh, David and our Lord, we can continue to trust even in times when we feel forsaken, when we are suffering. Our Savior did walk the death march for us. He suffered, and God did answer in the resurrection. And so the result was that we have received salvation from our Lord's suffering. It paid the price uh, concerning our sins and and so now we can be saved through Christ's death and suffering. And so this is important to remember that God is faithful. He's solid. He answered prayer, then he will answer prayer now. We often aren't sure how or when, but God is faithful. He will remember, he will answer. So just hold on to this statement that we draw from Psalm 22, that God is faithful and He's solid, even when I feel forsaken and often suffer. Statement number two is this, Christ's suffering purchased my salvation, and sovereignly, my salvation may produce suffering. Now, you may be wondering where in the world I got the word sovereignly from. Well, we have for a number of years now used the word sovereignly. ...as a way to describe what often seems ironic to us, maybe how things connect or how things happen. But in reality, because God ordains all things, we know that everything is under the sovereign control of God. So we have kind of used the word sovereignic to describe things that look like they're somewhat circumstantial... ...and somewhat connected, but we know that God is actually behind every bit of it. So we've kind of invented the word sovereignic, and it works well in this context that Christ's suffering, yes, it purchased my salvation. So, ironically, my salvation may now very well produce suffering. I mean, consider this, fellow Christian, that we are not above our Master and Lord. Jesus said this to his disciples. And this is especially true regarding suffering and persecution, so expected. Remember, Peter clarified that we are called to it, Just as Christ left us an example that we should follow in his steps, the key verse in the book of 1 Peter, Jesus said the world would hate us and and that um, even through many tribulations we would enter the kingdom of God. Remember that Paul said in 2 Corinthians that we are constantly being given over to death for Jesus' sake. And so the idea that, that Christ suffered for our salvation, and then that we actually, in this salvation, may actually suffer as well as a result of it because of ridicule, persecution, mockery, insult. This should not be strange to us. It, in one sense, comes with the territory. But take heart, because here's statement number three. God will use my suffering to share His story. God doesn't waste an ounce of suffering whether it's in your personal sanctification or in just sharing the gospel news in various ways, God always uses suffering to share His story. This is seen in Psalm 22, not only historically with David, but also prophetically with Christ. And I mentioned in the sermon, I think it bears repeating here, it's interesting how the last 10 verses of Psalm 22 really foreshadow the way the church actually grew. You know, Psalm 22 Those last 10 verses, it is an uh, an ever-increasing circle of worshipers. It moves from immediate Israel and then to those who are part of Israel but not Jewish, and then it moves to the nations and then to those who have yet to be born. And you kind of see this in Acts Unfold when it goes from the Jew first, then to the Gentile. You see this in the first 10 chapters. Um, at least probably the first 13 chapters where it goes from Jerusalem to Antioch and then, of course, to the ends of the known world. And remember, all of this was precipitated by the suffering that began, the persecution that began in chapter 8. So it's clear uh, prophetically in Psalm 22, historically, and I was even anecdotally in Acts chapter 1 through 13, that God does use suffering to share his story with all kinds of people. This is delightfully soul-stirring news. This gives us incredible confidence that, that what men sometimes intend for evil, God intends for good. And to finish Genesis fifty twenty here, the last phrase is the saving of many lives. All the way back in Joseph's day, when all those events were meant to harm him and do him in and bring him, um, you know, evil... God was using every bit of that suffering to share the news with others and to save many people. I would remind you of this one last illustration of those three statements. It's Paul's own story in Philippians. For those who attend First Family, we will be getting into Philippians uh, just after Easter. And listen to how Paul talks about his suffering in uh, an imprisonment he actually says in Philippians 1, verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. Isn't that amazing? And, and the inclusion of the word actually here is an, uh, an indication that, that Paul is aware his readers weren't thinking this way. They were thinking Paul's in prison, and so it's a detriment to the gospel. It's an impediment. But he says, no, actually my suffering is actually advancing the gospel. The whole imperial guard now knows other folks are more motivated to share Christ in their situations. And it just goes to show us that often our salvation does result in suffering, but that very suffering is often the platform that God uses to share the story in a wider and greater way. So I just trust you'll find uh, continued... uh, um, Inspiration and meaning and motivation from Psalm 22 in the middle of suffering, that God will hear you. He does answer us. He is aware, involved, faithful, solid, dependable. And when He answers, and as you leave and come out of a season of lament, just know this God will use that very suffering you experienced to share more of His story with those who've yet to hear. This is really the consistent pattern of individual Christians and of His church at large. That, that suffering, um, Christ's suffering, does bring us salvation. Our salvation may lead to suffering, but that suffering will always lead to a greater sharing of the wonderful news of the gospel, the story of God's redemption plan.